We're all trying to stay cool this summer, so I thought I'd revisit a few episodes with the coolest guests I've had on so far as part of an all-star summer series with beloved TV food icons. In this episode, the remarkable Lydia Bastianich talks about why creating healthy food memories is so important to her and how you can cultivate them for yourself and your loved ones. Hello and welcome to One Real Good Thing, where we dive into one thing you can do today to propel your life in a healthy direction. I'm your host, Ellie Krieger, and today I am talking with the remarkable Lydia Bastianich about something near and dear to both of us, creating food memories. We talk about why creating healthy food memories is so important and how you can cultivate them for yourself and your loved ones. She hardly needs any introduction, but Lydia Bastianich is an Emmy award-winning public television host, best-selling cookbook author, successful restaurateur, and owner of a flourishing food and entertainment business. Most importantly, she has accomplished all of this by marrying her two passions in life, her family and food, to create multiple culinary endeavors alongside her two children, Joseph and Tanya. Her most recent book, is Lydia's A Pot, A Pan, and A Bowl, a companion to her new 26-part public television series, Lydia's Kitchen. Listen. Lydia Bastianich, what a joy it is to have you here. Thank you for taking the time to be with us today. Oh, my pleasure, Ellie. Talking about food, talking about, you know, the healthiness of food, the memories of food, the deliciousness of food. I love to talk about it all. So here we are. Exactly. And I can't think of a better person to do that with. So I'm so excited. I've admired your work for so long. And I have to say, it's been such a joy to get to know you over the years. We've attended so many events uh, together at the same time. And then just recently, and that's what kind of sparked this particular podcast, is that just recently we were both speaking together. I wanted to let the listeners know that we were both speaking together um, at this event on a panel. And the panel was about um, how to eat like a local when traveling. And when you were speaking, Lydia, you started to talk about creating memories, food memories. And it really just got me thinking about how important that is for our well-being. So that food and cooking and shopping and going to the market or gardening, whatever, getting ingredients, cooking them, eating together, it's so much more than just feeding yourself. It's literally creating memories and that when you focus on it in that way, it really gives it like a different shade. Um, so thank you for, for sparking that idea. And, and you recently wrote in your memoir, you talk about your memories helping your grandmother Rosa on the farm. <laughs> so I, I, that's well, meaningful that stuff. Absolutely, absolutely. But you know, you when you listen to chefs speak, uh, most of the chefs have some recollection of a place of memories where they began, who they began with, who was instrumental in their lives, in the cooking, and these are all memories. And yes, you know, I revert all the time. Some of my fondest memories, when I want to find a place of peace, of comfort, uh, I go back to my youth. Uh, I'm talking about until uh, from 6 to 10, 12 with my grandmother. Now, Ellie, my grandmother, you know, I was born in Istria. Istria is now Croatia. It was part of Italy. And after World War II, Italy lost the war. That part of Italy was given to the newly formed communist Yugoslavia. So 
it was a tough time, my growing up as far as food, uh, there wasn't much. Uh, and uh, later on, we, we sort of almost escaped back into Italy and became immigrants and came to America. But those years uh, were my formative years with food. And grandma, uh, she provided the food for everybody. We had chickens, we had duck, we had uh, goats, we used to milk the goats in the morning, you know, milk. Uh, goat's milk for breakfast uh, in the in the, and the garden. The garden reflected so much the seasonality, the aromas. You know, we we, we I used to go uh, in. She she would say, "Okay, go pick up the peas for we're going to have peas today." And I I knew you know that the large peas were the mature ones, but I used to steal the thin peas because they had the small ones and they were the sweetest. They were like candy. So you know my memories when I go back to food. And when I cook food, and food cooking, preparing food, and sharing food gives me such pleasure, it's really, I think, rooted in those times when I grandma shared with me and I shared with her the reality of what is food, you know, uh, the growing of food, the nurturing of the animals, and so on. And uh, uh, I, you know, I still revert to that place, and it's a beautiful place for me to go. And so then for you, comfort food is maybe those peas and dishes that include those peas, or maybe comfort food is fresh goat milk. <laughs> I mean, I think it's very interesting because many times when people think about cooking with kids, for example, and I know you have grandkids, so I'm sure you cook together. But when when you talk about cooking with kids, a lot of people automatically think cookies, baking. Yeah. And that's great. I mean, totally make cookies and brownies with your kid. I do that with mine. But don't stop there. Because what you're doing from a health perspective is when you involve them in the kitchen and you start to create these memories, it doesn't have to be a, be around sweets all the time. It can be around things like, like I remember my daughter, I took her to the farmer's market and I said, pick anything out, anything you want. And she picked a giant stalk of Brussels sprouts. I mean, it was as tall, <laughs> it was as tall as she was. And we marched home with this thing like we were in a parade. And we came home and we roasted them up. Simple, simple. But to this day, it's one of her favorite vegetables. And I think yes. what you're saying with your grandma is this idea of cultivating. And for your grandma, it wasn't maybe a choice. I mean, you she had to feed the family nourishing food to survive, but I think we can really take that feeding people nourishing food and creating memories around that, as well as cookies and brownies and so on. Uh, absolutely. You know, uh, I go back to those memories and food for me is not just food in a pan uh, frying. It is, you know, planting that food. I remember taking and in the fall, the, the heads of garlic, nice, she would save the big firm one. And we would pull the cloves, cloves out, and then we would go in the in the garden. And she would make little holes, and she would have me put each clove, and she made sure that I put put it up where the where the, the, the sort of the sprout comes, that it goes up because the other way it wouldn't grow. So I would stick it in the in the earth, cover it, and move alongside of her, and you know. And the next thing you know, you know, come uh, February, March, there's little sprouts that come out. So I think that, uh, you know, food memories are not only the cooking and the eating of it, but also uh, is where those food come from. Uh, 
you know, then you really appreciate it. What is, what is the seasonality of food? You know, I remember, I mean, some of my favorite foods are very much seasonal because those were the ones that were sort of feature and, and accent. Let's say in the spring, I used to go harvest because we used to go foraging too, foraging for mushrooms, foraging for wild asparagus, foraging for nettles, all of these kind of things. And one of the things was when nature, when the garden wasn't working yet, the nature was already in motion. So we would go and we would forage for wild asparagus. Now, the wild asparagus, I haven't seen them in the States, but they're this pencil-thin asparagus. The, the, the fern is not as soft as the asparagus fern that we know, but it's rather prickly once it opens up into these this, uh, branches. And so it was kind of, uh, we would get our hands all scratched for going to forage asparagus. But asparagus, this intense flavor of wild asparagus, we would come home, we had chicken, fresh eggs from the, from the barn. You know, you go, I would go to the barn and get the fresh egg oil, which was made. And in November, I remember the harvest of the olives going on the tree and ultimately the, the, the smashing of the olives and the sort of straining of the olive oil. So every single element in that dish, as simple as it may be, asparagus frittata, I have a recollection where it comes from what it is. Not only that, I have to reinforce all my senses and memories. I, I see it because I've done it the aromas of it, and ultimately the taste. So all of those things are so important in our lives, I think. It renders us closer to nature, understanding better uh, what nature gives us, and protecting it better. Because in this world that we have now, we need to really think about our environment and how are we going to feed ourselves into, into the future. And also, you know, knowing how to uh, uh, take care of the animals uh, because, you know, this is, oh, you can't eat that, you can't eat. But the animals, as far as I remember, you know, the Italian meals, the meals that my grandmother made were never big slabs of meat, never. I mean, the plate that I recall was maybe one third of proteins. The rest was legumes and vegetables and all of that. So, you know, the animals... We respected them, you know. Yes, the chicken for the eggs. Once in a while, the chicken ended up in the soup. And that was the Sunday meal. And it was great, but it was everything was used from the chicken. Uh, the rabbit, I used to feed the rabbits. You know, rabbits uh, are not big in, in USA, but they're a, a product that is very reasonable in the sense that rabbits are very low in fat. They reproduce quickly. They do not consume all that much of the food in the environment for what they yield. So they make sense. And uh, uh, we, we don't like them, but, you know, yes, uh, rabbits are beautiful. I used to play with them. And then, of course, once in a while, we had rabbit sauce and pasta of some sort. So uh, I think the memories of food um, kind of bring you this kind of food, the, 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 the seasonality the growth, going to the market, seeing the farmers sell and explain and handle that, all of that gives, I think, us a better understanding of what that food is and appreciation and ultimately the nourishing and enjoyment of it. Absolutely. And it's all those connections that if you're paying attention to it, and when we say create healthy food memories, I mean, really, 
all it means is shopping, cooking, eating with intention on some level. And, and it creates these connections, a connections with your community, with your farmers. It creates connections with your loved ones who you're cooking with and eating with. It creates connections to the environment, as you say. And all of those connections um, make us have a sense of well-being and connection in the world. And, and that's so critical. So it's this one thing, you know, create healthy food memories. It seems simple and but it really but, can can lead to so many changes. But as you did with your daughter, you know, maybe in today's world, you know, not everybody has a grandma that has a a, a whole uh, barn full of animals and things, you know, because she needed to. But uh, so so is as we have also, I think, responsibilities as as mothers, as uh, fathers, as to take our children to the source of this ingredient and make them understand, you know, introduce them, smell that. Does, does that uh, peach, which one does it smell? The, the, the beauty of really smelling a ripe peach, you know? And that gives the, 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 the child or whoever is experiencing that an intro, an introduction to that fruit. Yes, it looks beautiful, peachy, then it smells delicious, then it tastes, and then so on down the line. And if you have an opportunity to even go to the orchards, you know, apple picking, that's beautiful. You extend that experience, those memories with that product, and it remains ingrained in the children's that grow. Yeah, I remember I grew up in Queens, not far from where you spent a lot of yes. your your time. Um, so we're both Queens ladies. <laughs> but I sp I grew up in Queens, but every year my dad and mom would take me apple picking um, right. upstate. And it really made an impact on me to understand what a really fresh apple tastes like right off the tree that I could hear the sound of the crunch right now sure. in my ear. And then we would come home and we would make applesauce and we would make, you know, apple pie. And we, But I remember all of that so well. And it really, it was time together. And it was also understanding where food comes from, as you say. And if children see where food comes from, like you did with your grandma in the garden, but even if you can take a child to a garden, a public garden somewhere, or if you can go apple picking or strawberry picking or whatever is near you, um, you, they're more likely to like that food if they're involved with it in that way. But I love what you say about aroma. And you said this during the talk at the, uh, when we were talking about, um, how to eat like a local when traveling, when you tapped into this memory thing, you were talking about aroma. And I really think I agree with you because you had made this point that aroma is one of the key elements of food memories that for some reason, we can still smell our grandma's kitchen. We can still smell all of these wonderful aromas and the aroma of a fresh peach. There is nothing like it. And the ones in the grocery store hardly ever smell like peaches for oh, some reason. Absolutely. Well, you know, I think that of all of our senses, because we we learn, we connect to, we, we, with our senses. That's our uh view into the world, and we absorb and make memories with our senses. So of all of the, our senses, the olfactory has sort of the largest allotted space in our brain to store things, you know, way back when we were primates, it worked that way. So it stores a lot of sort of even sometimes unexpected memories, you know, you enter someplace and you smell 
and you're taken back, you know, in another place, in another time. And I think that's beautiful, you know, that the sense of smell can take you, and that's memories. And Those don't you think... Oh, don't you think you cook with your nose? Like, I think I can smell if my, let's say my husband's cooking that night. Is he burning something? Yeah, I can tell right away. (laughs) Oh, that garlic is done. That's ready. I can, I I can cook with my nose and I can cook with my ears, but I think the nose is definitely such an important um, aspect of it. And it's particularly poignant now with so many people having lost their sense of smell during COVID, which I did for a while. And it was pretty unnerving to all of a sudden (laughs) not have that. So I'm grateful that it came back. But don't you think that that's so key to cooking, to cooking well? Well, absolutely. I think, uh, you know, you you look, of course, you see that. But the crackling, uh, if you're doing something else and the crackling in the pan, you know you're getting to the bottom of that pan or whatever is cooking and you better get there. Otherwise, it's next step is burning. And uh, the, the smell is the same thing. The different grading of smell can tell you, you know, but it could tell you if a a bread is almost finished baking, it's close, it's time to look at it. If a roast has its caramelization, all of that, you know, your smell can lead you there. But one thing, Ellie, I think that we uh, need to be attentive of that. You know, we need to uh, hone in on on our senses to really do that for us. So, you know, uh, let's say wine, wine experts, you know, the nose is so, so important. So smelling over and over, recording that information and then coming back to it, it's important. The same like tasting, you taste over and over. Uh, let's say that you're tasting wine, that you're tasting Zinfandel. Uh, in its, in its purity, it's if I tell, you smell it several times, then you taste it several times, and slowly this is all stored in your memory, and you're able to recall on the next glass of Zinfandel that you have. Right. So you can kind of train yourself in a way. Absolutely. And Absolutely. So, and what's really great about this, Lydia, is I think a lot of people feel like cooking day in and day out, it's a chore. I mean, we all have felt like that at times, right? Like, oh no, I have to feed these people again. <laughs> I definitely, have you ever felt like that or you never feel like that? Oh, no, no, I, I did. I'm sure. I'm sure. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, maybe a, a few times, not too many, but I do. Absolutely. So, so I do feel like that probably more often than I should. But one of the things that helps me is to step back and say, okay, I'm just going to enjoy this process. And I think that's kind of what you're getting at in one way. And it also feeds into this idea of creating memories because you say, okay, I'm going to just smell the aromas. I'm going to approach chopping this as a meditation in a way. I'm going to put some music on. I'm going to drink a glass of wine. I'm going to enjoy this moment and immerse myself in it because right now I'm creating memories. And if you kind of step back out of maybe the, some of the feeling of drudgery or your mindset, then that can change everything, I feel. Absolutely. But not only within you, within when you think of the person, you know, I know which of my grandchild it has the favorite food, which is, I mean, Miles love his gnocchi and so on down the line. So you have that kind of memory recall, almost connection with your children, with your grandchildren, on what you know what they love because most likely you made it for them. It was a special moment. They carried in their memory and they want to continue that. And it's a wonderful connection that you have with your family. And it's a way of you to uh, reinforce that. 
and uh, you know, and it makes them, them feel special. Noni, are you going to make the gnocchi? Noni, are you going to make the tortellini? We're coming. So I get from each one of them. And sometimes I have five grandchildren. My children have sort of entered in the second division. I'm focused on my grandchildren now. And, uh, you know, I, five of them, sometimes I have five different uh, dishes for each one. And do you know what? Each one feels special that they got what they wanted. Uh, and then what I get also, because, you know, they're in college here and there, I go to college, to, to their college, and I cook with them in, in their, in their uh, all of them. I've been to, to uh, all of them. I have two in college now. And we make a menu. And, of course, they make their special. And then when their buddies, their roommates come around in those uh, 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 kitchens, those small little kitchens, they tell them, oh, this gnocchi, you see, I made it with my... They tell the story. You don't even have to say anything. And for me, you know, to be able to to connect on such deep level, they're going to take that forever. Whether I'm here, I'm gone or whatever, that's a memory that's going to be theirs forever. Yeah, it really is amazing. My daughter's in college now. And when she first moved into her own apartment after living in the dorms, she called me up and asked me for the um, my minestrone recipe because that's her favorite soup. She loves a minestrone. So I just loved it that she called me and asked me for that and started making it on her own. And it just felt like this very deep connection. Absolutely. Really deep connection. So I'm sure you must feel that even multifold with doing that with your grandchildren. But you know what? It was security for her. It felt like you were there because your minestrone was there, but she was passing that on to her friends. She said, you know, this is a love message for my mother. So I am giving it to you guys, you know, and it's amazing what, what food can, how they connect and, and the memories and it continues down the chain. Yeah. You may think you're just making dinner, but you're really doing some profound stuff there and reaching yep. people and, and reaching yourself uh, in a, in a very deep way. Um, so 25 seasons of Lydia's kitchen, you're shooting the 25th season now. Is that correct? I will be now in the spring. I will be shooting my twenty fifth. Uh, it's a lot of years, Ellie. <laughs> you've been you've been around in the, on on the television for quite a few years, also. Yeah, but i i have I have a little catching up to you to do. <laughs> okay, okay, so I'm going to plan on that. <laughs> All right, you're younger. You have time. <laughs> but that's terrific. That's just wonderful. It's such a great show, and um and everyone can learn more about you at um. Lydia'sItaly.com. And you have some a great line of sauces. I love your pastas, by the way. I just made your linguine, I think it is. Yes, yes. And uh, sauces, because, you know, uh, again, uh, people, Lydia, your recipe, Lydia, your restaurants. But some people do not have the closeness to Lydia. So the sauces was another way of extending you know, what I do, my flavors. And I get, uh, Ellie, I get uh, uh, emails and all that, you know, there's someplace in Arizona, there's someplace in in uh, uh, whatever, uh, around Washington State, whatever. Said, Lydia, last night we made dinner and every recipe was a Lydia recipe and Lydia was with us. Can you imagine, you know, I, it makes me feel so great when, you know, you could reach out to people and people include that within their family. And I'm invited. I'm there with my aromas and my flavors. I couldn't agree more. It is one of the most wonderful things about this particular job is to be able to be in people's kitchens. And when people come to me and say, I love your meatloaf, <laughs> nothing makes me happier than that, really. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So we have, I guess every job, 
if you're passionate about it, any you know, and it gives uh, gives you it, it gratifies you. I know it does, and that's what keeps me going. I guess you know, Ellie, fifty years of restaurants. That's what I've been running. My first restaurant in '71, and twenty five years on public television, and uh, I'm working on another book, which is going to be later in the fall, and uh, uh, of course television and create just like like you but you know one thing that really now of course social media look at you the podcast you we need to get on youtube my little clips on youtube is really lydia on youtube do very well people love the recipes Uh, Yeah. I mean, there's just more ways to connect with people. And what I love about social media in particular is that you can really get feedback. I mean, back when when I first started my TV shows, and I know same with you, you, you'd have to have people writing you letters and mailing them, which didn't happen very often. But now you can really say, hey, how many people, you know, what kind of food do you want to see? And you could really get some feedback right away. and, and, And I love that type of connection that it provides. You know, may I, may I on Facebook? We I just I'm gonna just we just reach uh, reached one million view numbers. Uh, yeah, bravo, yeah. bravo! That's fabulous. A so million. That's, yes, that's to tell you that they're out there, they're watching, they're following, uh, and it's great because I guess we're relevant. Food is relevant. It's important to people and. You're important to me, Lydia. It's been so great to talk with you. And oh. so on social media, you are just at Lydia Bastianich, just across all the platforms. Is that correct? Exactly. Exactly. Right. Great. Well, follow Lydia, check out her website. You know her shows, but now you can see her on YouTube. And and I really hope that you're inspired to um to look at cooking a little differently and looking at it as a way to create healthy food memories. Um, as we're wrapping up, is there anything you would want to add? Uh, well, Ellie, it's my pleasure. And, uh, you know, let's continue doing what we love doing, creating memories for our families and for our extended families out there. Excellent. Thank you, Lydia. Bye-bye, Ellie. Bye. Thanks for listening. I hope today's conversation has inspired you to tap into and cultivate your own healthy food memories. I have an amazing lineup of new guests coming in September. See you then.